outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. Your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, brought to you by First Light. On this week's show, I'm diving into one of my favorite topics when it comes to hunting whitetails, standing water and its connection to quality deer hunting. When I make up my mind to travel to hunt whitetails, I fire up my Onyx and I start looking for water immediately. It's my favorite starting point for scouting and often the place where I fill my tags. I love hunting whitetails on water patterns. In fact, I'll double down on this next week and get into moving water. But on this episode, it's just dedicated to the strategies around hunting standing water, which is something every serious whitetail hunter should consider, especially in the early season but really throughout the entire season, whenever it's possible. Water is that good, my friends. There is an entire industry built around deer food. From bags of seed corn to flavored powder you dump on the ground to all kinds of seeds that you can plant in the earth that will sprout and become an absolute deer magnet, provided you give in the soil enough TLC and address the pH and the fertilizer needs and all of that good stuff. In all of this emphasis on deer calories, there isn't much of a focus on water unless it's falling from the sky directly into your freshly planted food plot. This, ironically enough, is because it's hard to sell you what nature provides pretty regularly in most of the whitetail range. Honestly, I feel that this is a good thing, but I can't really tell you why. I can't, I can't say why I care that the industry hasn't wrapped up a deer's thirst into a bunch of marketing speak and get-rich-quick lingo. I just know I like it. Water, two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, is out there for the deer, and you should absolutely factor it into your hunting plans. Now, Water in itself is a pretty broad topic, so for this episode, I'm going to break down standing water only. Next week, we'll dive, pun intended, into moving water. Both, in my humble opinion as a deer-obsessed weirdo, are often the best bet for the average hunter to get around whitetails frequently. Now, if your parents aren't first cousins and you've got a pretty basic understanding of biology, you can probably reckon that water is important to the life of all whitetails, And there is no time when it's more pressing than when it's hot out. 
kind of like it is right now, or it should be right now, and will likely be uh, throughout the rest of September, and often at times in October, and even November, and maybe December, depending on where you live. Even when the temperature isn't unreasonably unbearable, deer still need to drink. But right now, and in the next few weeks, the option to set up over some standing water and arrow a buck is as good as it will be all season long. But not all water is created equal. A cattle pond in the middle of a pasture without a tree in sight, that's a poor choice. Sure, a bunch of heifers will swing through and slurp up some H2O, but to kill a buck there is a low odds proposition. Water with no cover isn't ideal. A pond tucked into the top of a drainage, which occurs in a lot of the bluffy, ag-heavy areas, different story. Natural travel routes that allow a buck to stay in the thick stuff and just pop out for a quick drink are money. Other than potential swirling wind issues, these places are usually real producers. And this only gets better with ponds that are buried deeper and deeper into the cover. If you can find a sinkhole or a seep or something that holds water in the middle of a block of timber, then you are onto a spot that might just become one of your favorite places to sit. This goes for areas where water sources are few and far between and in places where there's plenty of water options around. Now, naturally, the more limited the water is, the better, but that's not always reality. A few years ago, a buddy and I made a plan to go down to Nebraska to bow hunt the September 1 opener. It was forecasted to be ridiculously hot, and when we got there, it was. It was freaking miserable, but I wasn't worried. I had marked dozens of cattle tanks throughout a few different parcels of public land and a few ponds. I also had a small spot on a stream that I figured would be pretty special. The problem was when we hiked into that spot, it had a fresh ladder stand on it and it had a brand new trail camera hung up right on the best crossing. And most of my other stuff was surrounded by more water than I realized during my aerial photography scouting. The whole place was covered in water. And not only did that breed a super race of mosquitoes that were quite inconsiderate, but it also gave the bucks nearly unlimited watering options. We had to pivot our plan and ditch all of our scouting to focus back on food which turned out pretty well for us because even though the water was everywhere, there was only one soybean field on one parcel of public land that we were scouting. This is a cautionary tale, my friends, because it's very easy to fall in love with the idea of water being the solution to all of our hunting problems, especially when it's warm out. It might, but it might also just mean nothing to your hunting success because you either don't have the right water source to hunt or the water is so prevalent, it really doesn't matter. You might also find that the water you plan to hike into and sit over on your quest to shoot your first velvet buck is so frequently covered in cows that the deer just move on. Now, I know that deer and cows will water at the same pond or tank, but I really have never experienced anything that made me believe deer want to be around cows. They can be found around them. They don't seem to like it. They do mingle sometimes, but it seems like if they've got the option to avoid those cows, they'll take it. In fact, I'll throw in a pro tip here for anyone who decides they want to hunt federal land or walk-in land that will definitely have cows in it. Scout those areas for pastures that aren't currently being grazed. Oftentimes, you'll see there's a, I don't know, 5,000-acre walk-in ranch somewhere that's open to the public, but 85% of it is almost worthless for deer because of cattle grazing. But there'll be one pasture that has been left alone for a few months or more. That's where you'll find the deer. Lots and lots of deer. But back to water. There are a few things to really think about 
when you're planning to sit with standing water as the reason for your time there versus hunting some other attraction, location has been covered. You know, get in that cover. But size of the water itself is pretty important too. With good ambush options, the smaller the better. If you've got a tiny water source where you can set up in a nearby tree and cover it fully while staying undetected, then giddy up. But if you've got a small water source with questionable stand trees or no trees, then you're in trouble and would probably be better off with a bigger water source and more ambush options unless you can do something on the ground. This means that in some situations, a little cattle guzzler that features a perfect cottonwood 20 yards away might be dreamy. Or you might have to set up on one side of a quarter acre pond and hope they cruise your near side bank. It's always variable out there. Usually, the best bet is to try to figure out the likeliest approaches and cover those while being able to shoot the water. This is simple enough, right? Sometimes it is. But sometimes you run into water that is getting hit hard but is really difficult to hunt. This happened to me on some public land in North Dakota a few years ago during a mid-October hunt. There were two cattle tanks on a huge river bottom flat that I could glass. Both were positioned perfectly between bedding and where the deer were eventually heading to feed. The main tank was honestly on fire with good bucks, really good bucks for public land. But the closest trees were 42 yards away and they were huge. There was one random pine tree about 75 yards away, but it was a lost cause because there was no definitive pattern on whether the bucks would pass close enough to that tree. What was worse was that the wind on that flat seemed to always blow from the available trees and the best ground cover back to where the deer would hole up for the day. I tried and tried to make that spot work, and I couldn't do it. The secondary guzzler wasn't much better, but it did have the option to hang a stand and sit 40 yards off of it. Now, that's not ideal. That's too far off for me to want to take a shot at a whitetail, but most of the deer would drink there, and then they would filter through much closer to the stand tree. The wind was better there too, most likely because that guzzler is tucked in against this huge rocky bluff, which channels the wind in a pretty predictable fashion. The first time I sat there, I killed a three and a half year old eight pointer. It was surreal. And it was a good lesson that sometimes you find amazing spots that you just can't hunt. So you have to find something else. And that the something else, the plan B can be pretty dang good to you if it involves water. And water sources can be like that, especially ponds. And while you might find a pond that was created on top of a bluff where the wind is easy to play and won't swirl, you'll also find ponds that are in the lowest of the low spots. These are tricky because they tend to exist in places where deer live and feel safe, but also where the thermals are pretty nasty and the wind in general is going to be tough to play. It's easy to write these spots off completely, just like sitting in the bottoms of tight valleys, but I don't. When I was a young bow hunter full of piss and vinegar and very light on hunting skills, I sat bottoms all the time in the driftless area of southeastern Minnesota. That was where the sign was, so that was where I hung my stands. And I got busted a lot, but I also didn't get busted a lot. It was so situationally variable, just like every single stand setup you're going to encounter in your bow hunting career. A pond in the bottom of a draw might not be a great option for an evening sit, Considering that when the air temps cool in the afternoon, the thermals will sink down, maybe suck your scent right to the edge of that pond where you expect the deer to go. But that same pond might be amazing for a morning sit when those thermals are in reverse. The only way to know this is to go in and give it a shot. Carry some milkweed fluff with you or some other wind checking fuzz. Watch what happens when you release it into the air. 
and you'll get a crash course on how erratic wind currents really are. You might also realize that a hopeless spot actually isn't so bad after all. You might also be tempted to only hunt standing water on hotter than average days. And look, the hotter the better for whitetails when you've got a good water source. I truly believe that because I've killed a pile of deer on water when it was beach weather. Obviously, if it's 90 degrees on September 3rd and you can sit over a cattle guzzler, you should do that. But September is a transitional month, taking us from summer to fall. And that means 25 mile per hour south winds and 80 degree days to 5 mile per hour variable winds and frost on the ground in some states. What I believe about those conditions and everything in between is that the deer will mostly come in to drink no matter what, unless they get booted off of a water source. This is because the real secret to water, besides H2O being one of the things they need to not die, is that deer build it into their routine, into their travel routes. This lesson was absolutely driven home to me while hunting north central Minnesota years and years ago. One of the properties I hunted had a small cattle pond off the edge of a hayfield. It also bordered a wetland that was all cattails and willows. High hummocks amongst the low ground provided killer bedding, and it was honestly one of the most consistent bed-to-food, food-to-bed patterns I've ever found in my whitetail hunting career. It was also covered in water, yet those deer would stand up and walk over to that pond to grab a drink before they stepped into the field. They'd actually leave a wet cattail slough and go over and water in a pond. In the morning, they'd reverse that pattern. They'd leave the fields and they'd go hit that pond before going to bed down in a wet cattail slough. It was as if there was a social aspect to the whole thing or a tradition involved that they just didn't want to break. There's probably a different reason for it, at least in some places and at some points of the season. Not only do deer need water to not die, but plants do too. And deer eat plants and they tend to gravitate toward lush green plants versus dried up yellow plants. For those of us with pointed teeth, that's probably like a medium-rare New York strip versus a well-done hockey puck of a whatever cut. That buck I talked about a few minutes ago that I killed in North Dakota, he was feeding just below the guzzler. That guzzler constantly leaked water out of the side and it ran downhill, creating a small band of green grass and just way lusher growth than anywhere else within a half a mile or maybe a mile. Where there is water there is always the potential for lusher browse, which obviously makes a location more desirable. If that pond is in the cover, now you've got three things working for you. The deer are going to feel safe, they can slake their thirst, and they might be able to find something better to eat right there than anywhere else around them. Now, you might not have a water source on a property you can hunt, which is a bummer. If that's the case, can you put one in? Obviously, you don't want to do this on public land, but what if you have a private spot? You can go buy a landscaping pond at Home Depot or Menards, and if you've got a shovel and an inclination towards some sweat equity, you could have a water source. This is best if you can get in and keep it filled with water, of course. You'll also want to make sure there is a way for rodents to get out, which can be accomplished pretty much with a stick that allows them to climb up on there if they fall in. Now, I know some hunters who fully believe in the creating your own water game, especially folks who live down south in states where baiting is legal. In the constant quest to get deer on their side of the fence, they've realized that while corn is ubiquitous across the countryside, at least in their neck of the woods, water isn't. This can be a deadly method and a hell of a lot easier than establishing a food plot or in some cases even running a feeder. If you do have some ponds or tanks to work with, 
get to know them. Even if the pond is way out in a pasture, not anywhere near the cover, the deer might stage in the closest brush or woods, or they might just filter to the nearest point on the way back in the morning. Water, where it's available and not in crazy abundance, should play into your plans on blistering hot days, seasonally expected temps, and even if it's colder than average. Deer need H2O, and it's a concentrator unlike almost anything else out there on the landscape. I should, I should rephrase that. It's a consistent concentrator. There might be a hotter, hard or soft mass situation going on for a week or two at different points, or there might be something going on with a soybean field that's just on for a certain amount of time, but water is consistent throughout the season. And it's easy enough to find not only through scouting, but through hunting. The only question is, is a specific water source that you have access to truly worth hunting? And at what times and in what conditions? Those are the questions you have to answer for yourself, but go into it knowing that if you've got water available, it's going to be built into the whitetails travel plans, all of the whitetails. And you might be thinking, what if I don't have a pond? What if I don't have a guzzler or a cattle tank? All I have is this stupid stream or river and the deer can water everywhere and I hate it. Well, moving water is what the next episode is all about. And while I love a good tank for whitetail hunting, I love a river even more which you'll hear all about on next week's episode. That's it, my deer obsessed friends. Be sure to tune in next week so that you can keep outsmarting the deer and outworking your camo clad competition. I'm Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. As always, thank you so much for the support, and we'll see you right here next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.